Welcome to the Providence Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message by Nathan Herndon. If you'd like to stay connected, download our app Providence Community from your phone's app store or visit our website at providencecommunity.org. All right. Well, it's good to be with you. I, I want to say one more time. Um, right from the start of my, of my message, if you've got your Bibles, first of all, grab those. You're going to need those. But I, I do want to say thank you for joining us and uh, for being a part of, of a family together and a community together. Uh, I, I feel so honored. This is the first sermon I've preached. I have walked this place in here. I don't know how much you can see of this place, but I have walked this place a little bit. And I have preached sermons to just, you know, just me and Jesus. We've, we've done some, some sermon work in here. But this is the first time that all together uh, we are coming together in this place. And this is the first of many. Um, being in here reminds me of the faithfulness of God, but it also reminds me, especially in a season like this, that God's not about buildings. He, he's about Him. He's about people. He's about pouring out His glory on the earth. And so whether we're in living rooms or buildings, we're just thankful that we can be the church, right? Um, so some, can some, that was good. Can somebody say amen to that, Chris? Anyway, that was good. So, But uh, yeah, we're just thankful to be the church. And so we're thankful for the day where we can gather in this facility and and really tear it up. I'm more thankful for, for gatherings than ever before. And so it's good to be with you guys. And we have a lot to celebrate because Jesus did not um, just die on the cross, just be buried. Um, we, there's, there's not some place where we go to visit his bones. He came out of the grave. And so this is massive today, guys. And so we want our hearts to, to come alive to that. Uh, can I, let me start uh, with this. If, if you have the, uh, the, your Bibles, grab uh, the book of Colossians. Uh, hopefully you've been reading with us through Philippians. The very next book of the Bible after Philippians is the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 1 is where we're going to be. But I want to tell you a, a little story um, I'm not, uh, I'm not just uh, into Jesus as a historical person. I'm actually uh, personally a partaker of Jesus's uh, forgiveness and spirit. Um, I, uh, I'm a follower of Jesus, and uh, I have been since I was seven years old. Uh, my dad, uh, from the moment that I was born, my dad was a pastor. That did not make me a follower of Jesus, just being born into a, a family where my dad's a pastor. Um, going to church doesn't make you a follower of Jesus any more than going to Chick-fil-A makes you chicken, right? So um, I love Chick-fil-A, uh, but uh, I don't turn into a chicken when I go. This is uh, entering some, some person's presence doesn't necessarily make you what they are. Uh, being a, a Christian is, is so much different than just showing up somewhere. Um, so I want to tell you how I became a Christian is I heard my dad speak when I was seven years old, Brethren in Christ Church, Wednesday night, I heard my dad preach about Jesus and my heart came alive my heart turned on for the first time. Um, it, it, some of you could say, oh, how could your heart be turned off as a seven-year-old? Because that's how old I was. Uh, it was turned off because I, I wasn't born alive to Jesus. I had to become alive to Jesus. Um, and so I remember listening to my dad preach about Jesus, how he died for my sins on the cross, how the Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. And I actually believed for the first time that God loved me, and not only that, that he wanted me. And so as a seven-year-old, my heart got filled with a burning, and I ran home. Um, I, I wasn't miles away. It's really just across 
the yard because our house was actually on church property. And I ran home and I knelt by my bed and I prayed with my mom that night to receive Jesus and, and his forgiveness for me and to receive his spirit and receive his life and to actually become a son, not just of my mom and dad, but a son of King Jesus in his kingdom. And that's what happened to me. And it was a wonderful, beautiful thing. So many of us have stories about this, how we, we didn't just go to church, but we actually put our faith in Jesus and became Jesus followers. And so many of us have stories about this, and it's wonderful. I, I know so many of your stories, and uh, they, they get you excited. They bring tears to our eyes. How, we've, how we don't just know about the gospel, we don't just know about Jesus being a historical figure, but we've actually received the good news of Jesus Christ, that he is not dead, but he is alive. He has conquered death, and he is now giving as a gift the good news of Jesus Christ to us all. Was that good? Was that good? Okay. So um, I, I just thought, I just thought like, I'm like, wow, that's, that I need to, I need to amen that. Um, so for, you know, not, I, I don't know why, but I, well, I do know why. Let, let me keep going. Um, I want to talk th this Resurrection Sunday morning about um, a few things that actually happened to you when you received Jesus. Because I think many of us, we've had this encounter with Jesus, uh, and we need to keep having encounters with Jesus. He's, this is going to be an encounter season for us. But many of us, we have this story about what happened to us years ago. For me, it was 34 years ago where I encountered Jesus for the first time. And we have th this story, but I want to talk about um, what actually happened to you. And, or what could happen to you if you decided to receive Jesus. Now, there's uh, an innumerable amount of things that happen to you when you receive Jesus. It is, it is complex and simple at the same time. Um, but there's an innumerable amount of things. I want to talk about a few things that actually happened to you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Colossians is a book where the Apostle Paul is writing to the Colossian church. And he is, he's writing to them because he has heard about their faith. If you, if you see in Colossians chapter 1, uh, starting with verse 3, it says, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints. So one of the, so what, what makes someone a part of the family of God is faith in Christ Jesus. And then what comes out of that person is love for other people. <laughs> you know, and so Paul was saying, we heard about your faith. So good. Love's coming out of your life. It's, a, it's, it's great. You're, you're bearing fruit and you're growing, he's saying. He's, he, he says this in, uh, in, in verse 6. He says, uh, he said, you know, the, uh, actually, he says, uh, we heard it and understood the grace of God and truth. He said, this is what happened. You heard that you're saved by grace. You heard the truth that you're not saved by working hard. You're saved by grace grace as a gift to you. And Paul and his companions are so stoked about this reality that the Colossian believers are in fact in the faith and they are in fact following Jesus. I love verse 11. If you skip over chapter one, it says, says here's, here's Paul's prayer to the church or part of his prayer to the church. He says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. So he's saying, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I don't want you to be a powerless one. I want you to be a powerful one. And so he's praying power into the church. Um, he's saying, I don't want you to just kind of hunker down and just wait till Jesus returns. I want you to be a powerful individual in Jesus. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So it's God's might in you. It's not you mustering up strength. It's not you trying hard. It's you receiving a lot. 
He's saying, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. And that power, here's what it's for, it's for all endurance. I mean, every season that you find yourself in, there is strength to endure that season and to be victorious, not a victim in that season. That for all endurance and patience, every season that you find yourself in, uh, it's, it's not that you've had to wait too long. It's that you need more power to keep waiting. So there's all kinds of power for patience and to have patience, not miserably, but patience with joy. So this, this is what God wants to dole out to the church like a good father, just lavishly all over the church. And it's, it's yours for the taking, okay? But here's, here's the good part. Um, Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Two weeks ago, I talked about the importance of thanks. And we talked about Jonah and the whale. And we we talked about Philippians. And we talked about being a people that return to say thank you to God when he has saved us. Thanking the Father, giving voice to our thanks. Not just feeling thankful, but giving the expression of it through our lips. So giving thanks to the Father. Now, here's what the Father has done for people like the Colossians and like you and me if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. If we receive the grace of God. Here's what has happened when, uh, when we have decided to be followers of Jesus, not just showing up to where Jesus is followed, okay? Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. I'm reading it again. It's too good not to. It says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So there's a whole host of blessings that come to you when you put your faith in Jesus. Um, and, and listen, your faith in Jesus is actually validated now because Jesus didn't just die. He, he told the whole world what everything I said is true. I've conquered this thing like I said I would. And so now if our faith is in Jesus, there are some things that actually happen to us. And here's, here's, the, here's the first thing that Paul is celebrating that has happened to the Colossians and church that has happened to you is number one, uh, the Father has qualified you. Do you see this in verse 12? Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Who has qualified you? Not you, okay? Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Um, like, beloved saints, if you were in Christ, you didn't qualify yourself. The Father didn't look and say, man, that person's really trying hard, right? Um, the Olympics got canceled. I, I love the Olympics. Can't wait till they come back. But there's a lot of people who qualify for events, and they do it by being, being the best of the pack. And they're the fastest at swimming, or the fastest at running, or the fastest at jumping, or they're, they're the, the best and the brightest in their field. My favorite Olympic event is table tennis. It's most godly. They're the best at, at destroying their opponents at the table, right? This, so they get qualified for the team because they're good. Actually, this, uh, this truth, the, the reality of the gospel is that you get qualified by the Father even though you're bad because he's good. This is the reality. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you. Now, here's what he's qualified you to do. 
He has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. So you hide and they drive the cool cars and they, they, they live, you know, on the edge of a cliff and they have great views and they're like, wow, you know, and they have all these stories of like spelunking and skydiving and all these things. You're man, I wish I could be a part of their family. But then you go driving your little Chevy or whatever to your house and it, it, the roof's leaking and all this stuff. And you're like, I wish I could be a part of that family. I feel like an outsider. Oh, Jesus says, no, I'm qualifying you to be a part of my family. And you do not have to be an outsider. I'm qualifying you to actually share in all the benefits of my people. I'm qualifying you to share in all the inheritance of the saints. Saints aren't special people that follow Jesus the best. Saints are children of God. Saints are, 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 are those who have been qualified by the Father to be partakers of the kingdom. This is, it's just, saints are those set apart to be sons and daughters of God. They're not the special Christians. They, if you're a Christian, you're a saint, saints. So the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints and light. When the Father, Father qualifies you, all of your darkness vanishes and the light comes into your life and you get to say, wow, wow. So friends, you're qualified. You're qualified, not by your own uh, qualifications, but you're qualified because the Father said you are through Jesus. This is a qualification that is gifted to you, not earned, not deserved. Um, you, you, You don't have to push for it. You have to receive it. I love what it goes on to say in verse 13. So not only has he qualified us, but he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Let's talk about the the first part of that verse, verse 13. He has delivered you. He's qualified you, and he's also delivered you. Delivered means he saved you, he's rescued you, he set you free. And so some of you would say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm from Hanover. I haven't, (laughs) I'm not not like city folk. I haven't done anything crazy. I don't need anything that I need deliverance from. I'm not, I'm not, uh, you know, I don't need rescued. I don't need set free. I am free. This is the home of the free, is it not? Well, you can live in a home of the free and, and be a slave in the midst of it. And that is how many of us are. We think that our freedom is, uh, is uh, like a, a, a physical thing where it's a spiritual thing. And so here the God has delivered you from the domain of darkness. And this is a domain that many of us live in and we don't know it. We've actually bought the lie that this is how life is supposed to be. Uh, this is, I, I'm, not supposed to be, uh, I'm not supposed to have any hope. I'm not supposed to um, have any joy. I'm just supposed to get by. See, that's the domain of darkness talking. It's all you've ever known. It's all we've ever known. But God comes in through Jesus and he turns the light on and he says, this daughter of mine or this son of mine, I'm delivering from this domain. The domain of darkness is the realm of Satan. It's all the powers of evil that are trying to blind you stealthily to keep you settling for scraps when God wants you to be his son or daughter. And so Jesus delivers you from a domain that you don't even know that you're in. <laughs> and he, he, uh, he delivers you. He saves you. He rescues you. He sets you free. Some of you do know that you're in this domain and you've been trying to get out of it on your own and you don't set yourself free. You receive the freedom that Jesus has purchased for you by his death, burial, and resurrection. 
Many of us did not know that we were trapped in a realm like this. I'm going to tell you today you are. I'm going to tell you today you don't have to be because we have a living hope named Jesus who wants to deliver you. Um, and not only does, does Jesus deliver you when you come to him in faith, but he also transfers you. See the, the second half? It says of verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So let me say this. God doesn't come down. It would be, it would be, he'd be good just to deliver us and set us free and say, well, enjoy life. Have a good time. See, he delivers us because he wants us. He doesn't want us just to be free running around doing our own thing. He, he delivers us so we can belong to him. God did not simply save you and say, see you later, have a good life. He delivered you and then transferred you from the kingdom that you were in to the kingdom that he's in. He said, I don't want you in that kingdom. I, God fashioned you in your mother's womb to belong to him. And so he delivers you and sets you free from a kingdom that he didn't, made you, uh, didn't make you to experience, but that we chose. And then he takes you from that by his goodness and by his grace and by his power and by the gospel. And he says, I'm setting you free. And now you are a son or daughter that is free in a new kingdom. And the kingdom uh, is in, uh, under the control now, not of Satan, but of King Jesus. And this is good news, my friends. God did not simply save you and say, see you later, have a good life. The enemy likes to make us think that that's what God does, to just save us and wait, wait for heaven. Uh, but he actually wants to use you to usher in heaven right now. He wants to make you a part of a kingdom that uh, shows his heart on earth. He transferred you to his kingdom family. And so, friends, I, I want you to hear this. When you've put your faith in Jesus Christ and you've been delivered and you've been qualified and you've been transferred, that means that you belong. And so whether you feel like you belong or not uh, in, in this world, I do want to let you know that you belong in an otherworldly kingdom, the kingdom of King Jesus. And I would just invite you to sit at that table and just enjoy it. Now, so guys, this is good. He's qualified you, he's delivered you, he's transferred you, but he's also redeemed you. Um, redeem means he bought you back. You were designed and fashioned for God, but you and I decided that the kingdom of darkness is somehow better by some type of deceit or by some type of lie that we, we believed in. We, we walk off the cliff of God's kingdom and we believe that that kingdom out there is better. And so we leave the kingdom of King Jesus and we go to shipwreck our lives. And then this word redeem actually means that God sends his son to go win our hearts back. He, he goes and he sends his son to buy us back. And the, the purchase price for our redemption is the blood of Jesus Christ. This is why the cross matters. He's perching us at the cross so he can redeem us and buy us back. So you are redeemed by Jesus Christ. And then this is a beautiful thing in verse 14, the second half. It says this, says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And so everything that you've done to, uh, to uh, you kind of spit in the face of, of God, uh, God, because he's a good father, he forgives because of the blessing of his son. And, and, and he, he just says, all your sins, past, all your sins, present, all your sins, future, 
they're forgiven. You don't enter the kingdom by trying to forgive yourself. You don't uh, enter the kingdom by trying to do more good than you did bad. Uh, you don't enter the kingdom by basically being a good person and, and being a, a church attender. You enter the kingdom by all of these things, knowing that your sins are eliminated by the blood of Jesus Christ, forgiven for all of eternity, forgiven for now. All, everything in the past, it no longer tells you who you are. You are forgiven. That is no longer true of you. Now what is true of you is that you're a son or a daughter in the kingdom and that though there was a time in your life where you chose the small things, believing that they would give you greater joy, greater happiness. Now at this time in your life, you're saying, Jesus, you are far superior to all other small loves and lovers. And I'm putting all my hope, all my trust, all my faith, all my affections just on you. And Jesus loves to wipe our hearts clean and give us a new life. And he loves when we just rest in his arms. And he loves when he says, hey, let me give you my Holy Spirit to empower you to now enjoy me and come after me. And this, my friends, is like a spiritual wrecking ball. So many of us, like I think some of you, uh, you know this Christian in your life that they love to run around and, uh, and cry about Jesus, laugh about Jesus. And they, you definitely don't want to sit by them in church because they make you feel awkward and uncomfortable. But let me tell you this, my friends, when you've been qualified and you didn't deserve it, when you've been delivered and it wasn't on your own, when you've been transferred to a kingdom that you, that you don't d deserve to be in, but now you are in by the grace of God, when, when you were lost, but, the, but Father God has come running after you and bought you back, and when you've been forgiven of everything you, that you've done, it gets in your heart and it makes you cry. It gets in your heart and it makes you shout. It gets in your heart and it completely changes you. It wrecks you in such a way that your whole life is changed. I think the word wreck is kind of Christian terminology. That many of us, we don't know what that is. I know uh, in a, you know, just a normal perspective, my life was forever changed. In other words, I was wrecked when, when my kids were born. I was just, I remember seeing them and crying and just being like, I am forever changed. I am wrecked. And here's, here's, spiritually speaking, at, on a resurrection Sunday like this, when we've been qualified, delivered, transformed, redeemed, and forgiven, spiritually speaking, we get massively wrecked, guys. Wrecked. <laughs> we, we can't explain it except to say that there is a new reality, a new kingdom that we're operating in. I, you see this all over the, the Bible. When, um, when people came to meet Jesus, they were forever changed. There was a woman that went to draw water at a well in the Bible, and she went in the middle of the day because she was living an ungodly lifestyle, and she didn't want to have to uh, run into anybody else that would judge her or to think less of her. And so she goes in the middle of the day, and lo and behold, she runs into Jesus, and Jesus shares himself with her and tells her the good news of the gospel, and she was wrecked, and she went and told all of her friends, and she didn't care who she ran into because she was forever changed changed. Um, you take the Apostle Paul who wrote most of the New Testament and he was a leading Pharisee. He knew all about the Bible, but he didn't actually know Jesus. And then one day when he's riding a horse on a road to a place called Damascus, the resurrected Jesus shows up, blinds him, knocks him off his horse. And 
Paul actually gets converted to becoming a Jesus follower and Paul was wrecked. His whole life was changed. There were some men walking on the road to Emmaus days after Jesus had died and the resurrected Jesus shows up on their path and they explain their encounter with Jesus by saying, was our heart not burning as he talked to us? That's because when Jesus shows up in your life and does all of these things and you receive these things in a way that you don't just pass them on a quiz, but you actually embrace these things through faith, Jesus completely ravishes your whole life. <laughs> There's a, I, I know, like for me as a teenager, when I, when I accepted Jesus, I already told you about this when I was seven years old, I never looked back once. But God led me uh, from encounter to encounter to encounter. And as a teenager, I was, I was completely bonkers for Jesus. I was a senior riding the bus. I didn't even care about driving. I rode the bus with the freshmen. I didn't even care to put gum in my hair. I don't even care. I'm like, get me off the bus so I can go home and read my Bible. I read my Bible. The whole New Testament falls out, and I'm trying to put it back together and tape it, get a new one. I, I skip in meals because I would rather eat with Jesus spiritually than eat food. <laughs> Dude, I was, I was a complete mess. I remember a pretty girl showed up at, my, at our doorstep once that wanted to see her dog. I remember uh, Philip came and said, hey, fix your hair. Uh, I, I, uh, but I didn't even go down because I, I, was, I was with Jesus. He's, he's just, listen, he's just better than everything else you've ever known times infinity. He just is. And so when, when Jesus comes into your life, things happen, even to smart people. There's a guy named Blaise Pascal, born in the year 1623. Uh, he's French. Um, he was a mathematician. He's an inventor, and he's a genius. Let me tell you about his genius here, okay? Because this is the gospel is not just for people who have nothing left. The gospel is for you, and and uh, even smart people. I think that there's some smart people that you you're an atheist and you feel like you just know more than the Bible. You've got holes in it. It's just that your mind needs to be awakened to the reality that you are right currently dead to. All right, and so here is what happens to Blaise Pascal. Age 19, he developed the foundation for probability theory. All right, he invented the wristwatch. Uh, he invented the first bus route in Paris. He invented the syringe. He invented the hydraulic press, and he invented one of the first calculating machines. Okay, so in 1600s, on November 23rd, though 1654, here's Blaise Pascal. From about half past 10 in the evening until about half past 12, fire. Period. God of Abraham, God of Isaac. This is a personal note that he would carry, he, he wrote, he carried on the inside of his coat pocket until his dying day. God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, not of the philosophers and scholars. Joy, 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 tears of joy. This is life eternal, that they might know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. He says, may I not fall from him forever. I will not forget your word. Amen. And my friends, even smart inventors of the syringe, when they encounter Jesus, get wrecked. And I think that some of you sitting in your homes today, do you know what you need for Resurrection Sunday? Is that you don't need to feel bad for Jesus on the cross. He did it willingly because he loves you.
You don't need to feel bad for Jesus. You need, actually need to get wrecked by who he is. And you need to welcome Jesus. You need to pray a dangerous prayer that actually says, Jesus, it's not just that I, I recognize you as historical. It's not just I recognize you as someone who died on the cross and I, and I appreciate you. Jesus didn't descend heaven's throne, be born of a virgin, die on the cross for you, then be raised again to be appreciated. Uh, he wants to be the lover and Lord of your life. He wants to be everything to you. And he wants to come and completely change you and blow wind into your soul to make you alive in a way like you could never imagine. And so right now, I think that there's there's some of you who you sense the Holy Spirit working in your heart and the best thing that you could do is just put your hands out like this and say, say, Jesus, I receive everything that you have for me. I want everything that you have for me. I don't only believe in the historical Jesus, I receive the real, true, authentic Jesus who died on the cross for my sins and rose again triumphing over everything that would keep me from the Father. And I receive you, so God, come knock me off my feet. Come mess up my whole future. In fact, a future without you, Jesus, is not a future at all. I just want you in every place of my life. And this, my friend, is what the church is being called back to. This is what the church is, was, was purchased for, is to know Jesus like this. And so the Bible says, uh, call upon the name of the Lord and you'll be saved. Now, let me tell you the name of the Lord. The name is Jesus. So Jesus, save me. I'm not trying to qualify myself. I'm receiving what you've done on the cross for me. I take your righteousness. I take your holiness as a gift. And I want it as my own through faith. Hey, Heavenly Father, I think that you're doing this right now in people. I think that you're doing this right now in souls. I think that you're, you're lighting up souls. I think that, that some people are, are, because faith is now present in their hearts, that some people are feeling alive for the first time. And so, God, I just pray that you would, you would just continue your work. You promised to finish what you start. So this work of salvation that you're doing in hearts all over this region, all over this world, God, I just pray that you would finish and that you would bless and that you would light us up for you and that we would have a faith that holds on to you through every storm and every way, God. And I thank you that even in... In, in the worst of days in the world, you are doing the best of things, and that's giving us you. And we bless you, and we praise you, and we thank you for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that this word will bring light to dark places, life to dead places, hope to desperate places, and heaven to earthly places.